Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes, We need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 165 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on April 19th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the lore book for Every Rose a Thorn. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And then next up, and rounding out our usual team, we have our good buddy, the lore content cop himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing today? You cut out what? Oh. Uh, what? Has... Oh, no. <laughs> Appar- okay, well then, I guess we'll just go with I feel like... Um... <laughs> Uh, people in this town, I swears. Uh, yeah, fair warning ahead of time, guys. I've got my windows open because, you know, it's the northeast of the United States, and it can't be April without it being, like, ridiculously humid already, apparently. Moisture is a thing. Moisture. <laughs> well, and also, you know, really quick, um, obviously Green's not able to join us this week. She had mentioned last yeah. week that she was going to be uh, out of out of her... She's going back home to take care of some stuff for her family, and so that's where she is this week. So obviously, we didn't get a chance to get a question out. Um, and also this week, just a heads up, we aren't going to have a top three. Uh, I was telling live chat that a little bit um, before we started recording. We are going to be doing this week's top three. We'll be doing it next week, and then we'll just kind of push everything back one week. So nothing nothing big, no big worries there. Um but if you definitely, if you guys get a chance, definitely give Green some some love and support over on Twitter. Uh, I know it's a I know it's a little bit of a rough patch that they're going through right now. Um, but also, <laughs> big announcement on well, not big announcement, but big heads up for this stream. Uh, similar to last stream, I'm gonna just put a blanket spoiler warning on this entire conversation because. I don't think Beard and I are going to want to dance around a lot of things. And it's there's some nope. things that are pretty crucial to the conversation that if you haven't read the book, um, which I really encourage you, if you are starting to listen to the episode right now and you haven't read uh, 
for every rose. I would really encourage you to go read it by yourself first. Um, we will be talking about it kind of in depth. We're going to probably just jump right into the conversation because uh, Beard and I have been waiting very patiently <laughs> for this opportunity uh, ever since the book kind of became available. It is on Ishtar. I will, I'll, as always, I will link it in our show notes over on the Lore Network. Um, so it will be there for you. But um, yeah, I really encourage you guys. This is a big development in the story of Shin Malfur, Dredgen Yor, the Shadows of Yor, all of them. It's a very big, big chapter. It's not necessarily a conclusion, but it's we're, we're getting to a conclusion of some of those chapters. Um, but yeah, so just, just a general, hey, this is a heads up. We are going to be talking a, a little bit of spoilers. They're technically in-game, but people are just now starting to finish the book in-game. So if you're one of the people who would like to acquire it in game before reading it just a heads up you know this is one of the ones that has know. been available on ishtar i don't know what you're talking about i got it done in two days well okay that's true you are yeah that's i, I wasn't very far behind you actually but I uh mean, i think i think i was giving boats, i was you know? i was uh i was giving you grief while i was doing the same thing and then at the end of the uh -huh. night i checked and i was like oh i have one more to go like <laughs> <laughs> it's like all right, all right. You're like, right. how? I don't understand. Uh, I'm like, I, I, I still. And you're like, oh, never mind. I'm like, I still don't understand how it. I'm like, whatever. I the mechanics of getting it unlocked. You just shoot things. That's all. That's all it is. Which I actually, I really like how you get this particular book. I I'm yeah. looking forward to maybe getting more of these books like this yeah. or more entries like this because it makes you feel like you're actually you're you're learning about the weapon that you are using. And I know there's other games. I think doesn't Monster Hunter have similar lore developments within the Not weapons? Really? Okay. No, I know there isn't um, isn't there what's what was the other is, game that you mentioned? There is one other game that does it very well. Do you want me to relive that four hour memory? Which one? Oh, oh uh, near. Okay. <laughs> I was like I'm like, which near, one is that? I'm like, oh okay, yeah, four hours. I yeah. I mentioned this like way back, like last year. And I said how it would be really cool if, when all is said and done, they would add in a system that would allow for lore to build from the weapon that you're utilizing. And this is a step in the right direction. So if they absolutely utilize a system more like this and kind of build on it more, I would love to see that. Because uh, it was something I had said about a year back and gave the suggestion about a year back in a video hey, maybe you should put this in because it makes sense to allow for us to either play with or get used to a weapon or try something out that we otherwise wouldn't use. Now, obviously, with Thorn, Thorn is a weapon that a lot of people have a lot of uh, connection with, sure. But imagine if they did something like this with Darcy. Even if mm -hmm. it was like two extra entries or something, it would still build on the story of what Darcy is all about. And it couldn't even be, it doesn't even have to be like in the um, initial, uh, the initial launch of that weapon. Like that's the best thing about this kind of system is that they could technically keep building onto the book from it, uh, from there with it. Uh, so yeah, I, I would love for them to kind of expand on that system a little bit further than what they already have. But just, uh, just saying, I... This is all my idea. No, nobody else's. It was, it was all my idea. <laughs> Kidding, obviously. Um, well, you know, obviously you can tell that we are both pretty pretty invested in this particular one. Um, so uh, let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll jump right into it. 
In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the lore book, A Man With No Name. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate, and if you can, leave us a written review over on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will also be the new home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the lore book The Warlock Anur. As usual, the plan is to set aside next week's discussion for a summarization of the X-Lore content for April, Anthem. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had for Every Rose a Thorn, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. And this week for Lost Lore, what I was thinking we were going to do, actually, Beard, I know you're, you, I know that you and I have had this conversation quite often. Yeah. Purple and I have had this conversation quite often. But the, the concept of perception and the importance mm. of perception, because mm-hmm. guess what mm-hmm. is really important to keep in mind when you read this book? It's the perception and the interpretation of information. Um and this is this is a big thing that they are kind of doubling down on here. Um, so, with that being said, I did. I'm going to kind of reiterate some stuff that we talked about in our. Uh, we did a let's chat a while back on retcons, and there was a couple things that I said that I kind of want to reiterate. Um, so, one of those is that in beard, if you won't mind, if you don't mind, I'll just jump right into it real quick. Oh. Um. So I said, perception is one of the many cognitive biases that has a prominent place in the world of lore analysis and just in general analysis, like just uh, text or anything. Analytics, you have to have awareness of different cognitive biases, Uh, and there are a ton of cognitive biases, but perception is one of them. And namely, the expectations for the inherent nature of game lore as a source of frustration in the community is what I'm seeing. Uh, and Beard, again, this is something that Beard and I have both talked about. I know Purple uh, Ishtar has an amazing podcast. Blech, wow, I can't talk. Ishtar has an amazing podcast, uh, not just about cognitive biases, but also about the uh, validity of the information that I will link in the show notes because I cannot stress how much or how well done Purple, Kex, and uh, Baxter did on those episodes. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I'm noticing or the thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years with Destiny is that, you know, those who approach the lore looking at the information as a uh, biased presentation from the start, they're, they're not 
they're not as annoyed as those who approach this with the idea of or the view of the lore being canonical. Now, when I say canonical, my meaning in terms of Destiny game, Destiny's game world is that uh, the concepts are not subject to change fluidly or to be open to the interpretation of either an NPC or a player or the player. Uh, if the, so, basically, what what that means is, if you're looking at information in Destiny or any game, right? If that information or conceptual conceptualization of the game world is fluid, if it if it paints, if it's able to be changed somewhat easily. This actually points to that aspect being a derivative of lore, not canon. Uh, mm-hmm. And canon is something that's like, uh, it's it's something that is static and not changeable. I mean, in game worlds, that's not a lot because, you know, as with the work of stories, you know, a lot of things are able to be changed. Retcons happen in everything that we do as far as storytelling. Uh, and it's not always a negative thing. And I will definitely defer back to our Let's Chat episode on that particular piece because we actually go into the various types of retcons with regards to storytelling. Uh, within Destiny, what we deal with a lot within lore is basically mythology. Uh, myths, 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 and legends. Wow, I'm having some trouble talking. Um, and the thing to remember about myths and legends are that they are stories. Because of this, they are always going to be faced with some degrees of air quote here retconning, and that's not in the sense of uh, what's usually viewed as negative retconning, which is the reverse reverse retconning, which is where they go back and they take stuff out. Retconning is in this sense actually more of a clarification. You'll see this whenever you have a series of books. You see this where um, you will have... So, like, if... uh, uh, A good way to look at this is um, Tolkien, okay? The Hobbit. All right, we have The Hobbit. Pretty basic story, right? You know, adventure, done, end of story. And then comes The Fellowship of the Rings. not, Not whatever. But within the story arc of The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring, there is actually a significant amount of retconning. And what that means is it's retroactive continuity. Retroactive continuity is simply a matter of clarifying past events to make it synergize and make sense within the current events of the story. Um, So no matter what the context, stories, myths, and legends, all that, they're going to have degrees of retconning. And this stems from the fact that they are at their base level, meant to try to make the chaos of life make sense. That's kind of the the entire point of myths and legends. But the thing to remember is, even when they're cleaning this mess up and simplifying it to make it more accessible to those who are perceiving it, the tales still need to contain some of the mess, because that's what allows them to be relatable to those who are being taught. The audience, this audience, requires a connection. Uh, The reason why they require this connection is kind of twofold. They need it to stay entertained, and they need that entertain that entertainment factor is what basically drives the ability of an audience to stay interested in the story. This requirement connects back to the historical use of mythology as being basically a method of instructing younger generations lessons learned by the older members of other generations or in in, in given society. You will always see this in any society. Every society has a form of teaching through mythology. Um, 
whether that is a religious connotation, whether that is supernatural connotation, whether it is, you know, even just pragmatic. That's there's a lot of storytelling that is used to teach the younger generation. And this is this is where we see the presentation of bias because this also presents the bias that is present in every story. It isn't it is not possible for someone to escape bias. Because bias is quite literally a part of your paradigm, which is a, a concept of your worldview, how you see the world, that is part and parcel going to have a bias because you are, by just the very nature of perceiving it, you are looking at it from some, somewhere. Um, and so this bias, it's, it's the thing that, it's, it's a double-edged sword though, because you're not going to be able to, to avoid it. But you are able to recognize it and you can within a certain to a degree recognize to neutralize it. Uh, And this is very important within uh, what's usually referred to as scholastic research or analysts or analysis of text of various different contexts, either historically, culturally, geographically, whatever, because the person who is analyzing the information has their own bias. The text that they are analyzing has its own bias. It has an agenda. There is a reason why text is created. Um, You know, Beard and I both write extensive notes. Our notes, if we ever were to give them to someone else, might not make sense because the bias that we have, we have a lot more information banging around in our heads when we write our notes that when we look at our notes, it just it sparks that memory. Someone else doesn't necessarily have that information, and it would not necessarily connect the dots the same way. So basically, the, the thing is here is that perceptions, bias, all this is very important to not just not just accept, because it's going to be there. That's the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it's going to be there, so you should just accept it. But also, if you can identify it, then you can also start seeing a more clear picture of what's going on. Um, <clears throat> and so... The whole thing that this is kind of to tie this all back into Destiny is is my argument that, you know, the continuity issues that we see in Destiny, we do have a few. Um, But the thing is, is there is the case, a very strong case to argue that those continuity issues can be viewed as in-game bias or in-game certainty problems due to the contextual uh, situation that the characters are relaying information to our character, um, rather than an out-of-game uh, writing mistake or laziness, which I've, I have seen being thrown around quite frequently. And it's not just with Destiny. It's anytime you have a continuity issue. Yeah. Um, and so I, I want to encourage, before we really get into the, the meat of this particular conversation, because there is going to be some... I hate. I, I know everyone hates it when I say that, but there is going to be some retconning going on here. But the thing is to keep in mind with the whole thing with Shin here is that Shin calls it out point blank, and there's an entry that's called "The Pain of What's Right," and he goes. He he basically says, "Let me pull up the paragraph just real quick." He says, "I've played a role for some time now, many actually, but my names." Shin Malfur, the Renegade, various others handed down by fools and hard cases, or even the one or two I've hidden behind behind over the many years I've spent running from my past and towards an ever-darkening future. They all serve a purpose, and they all start with Shin, the poor, lost, lonely boy whose entire world had been taken from him. The tale of my youth and Palamon is all true. 
that it tends to elicit sympathy and set my story on the path of the right and is not just a ruse, I am right, I am just. But ask yourself, did the fact I began as a victim color your perception of me? Is my path, my cause, more righteous because I was owed justice and vengeance? For the longest time, I thought so. But then, and here, is where the truth of it all begins to gain focus. What if the villain of the story believes so? What if the villain tore apart my life and countless others as a terrible means to an end? What if I was lost and he offered guidance by gifting me vengeance? What if I told you he was right to do so? That's kind of where I'm going to lend in this particular one because I think that's a, I, I honestly, I can't think of a better way to kind of segue into our conversation about what, what the information that we have within for every row, for every rose. Um, this is going to be probably an episode that Beard and I are going to, I don't, I won't say we probably, we're probably not going to go on too many tangents, like off topic tangents, but there are probably going to be tangents within this story because this story referential material right just thanks to the fact that like from age of triumph we had like the last word and a couple of the other uh included uh grimoire cards along with also the stuff with like the original shadows of yore and whatnot as well um there are these pieces that we need to kind of dig into a little bit further to sort of dig up or figure out uh where certain pieces might be going for me, the tale makes sense. For others, I know that they're not exactly too happy with the way that it's all perceived or, or transpires. But per our ideas on Lost Lore here today with perception and such, that's the trouble. Mm -hmm. We saw one half of the conversation with Shin Malfur this whole time. We had no general idea about many of the others or any of the others realistically. Um... We also were unsure of, like, who was semi-involved with, you know, who or what or how. Uh, but there are still a couple of other unanswered questions uh, that I'm sure many of you guys might have if you remember some of the older, like, Shadows of Yore uh, entries and whatnot as well. But yeah, there's, to Blue's point, it's not going to be tangents as all of a sudden I'm going to start talking about the Nine. It's... All of them. All of a sudden, I'm going to go back to like old material that we've had from like the Last Word or Thorn or uh, these older uh, Crucible cards that existed previously. Uh, and all of them, I think, are extremely relevant to the topic, of course, that we're going to be after today, uh, and not just what is showcased to us with every rose in general. Uh, which, by the way, if you've been able to avoid this spoiler at all. <laughs> Big kudos, props to bro, you. kudos like, to you, man. I am I am a general master of avoiding spoilers. There were like five people that spammed me the first day that this book was out. They're like, oh my god, look at this. And I'm like, what? Oh, really? Thanks. What do you think? I'm like some kind of space magic idiot that could go ahead and read everything <laughs> in two seconds. Come on. Anyway. I mean, I mean, they wouldn't be wrong. I guess. <laughs> uh, but that's the that's the major thing. I I want to highlight the ideas of perspective, however. Um if you are if you are also uh to to kind of further on to Blue's points as well, if you are calling a retcon, be sure it's a retcon. Uh if you are calling a change or why something could change, uh provide evidence on why you think that is the case. 
because uh, I'm going to be blunt real fast with this right now. If you can find evidence counter to it being a retcon, and just a matter that you have a skewed perspective, then that is your bias. And that needs to go ahead and shift in your general mindset. Uh, it's all it kind of comes down to. Like, I, I don't care how high and mighty that ends up making me sound to some people, but long story short, if there's evidence that shows and can dictate that there is a lack of evidence that it's a retcon and it's a clarification, then that's a completely different definition. Well, and I think also there too, Beard, is the is the open and I know we've we've had this conversation, you and I have both on on here, actually recorded and also offline. I mean we've we we mm-hmm. both kinda we have the very similar approach, which is I think why even though we disagree with some things, we actually don't get mad at each other. Uh which yeah. I know shocker, shocker guys, the Beard and I are actually friends, even though we don't agree with stuff. I know it it can happen. It it does happen. Yeah, it's like um, it's like him and I don't don't get along on every point or don't you yeah. know, generally think on the same things, but it's like all of a sudden we can still talk to each other like rational human beings. Mm-hmm. What what is this world? Is well, and I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I had to go ahead and check yeah. about like remakes <laughs> and everything that were happening. Like, wait, what's what's going wait, on? There's is a single player. There's a single player game coming out that doesn't have microtransactions. What? Um, no, yeah, but what anyway. I was going to say is. Um, <laughs> I was going to say is the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that Destiny is actually really it. I wouldn't say it's a one of a kind because uh, I, no. I don't know. I don't have the experience to say that, but I will say that it is a strongly unique portrayal of how to tell a story, because the thing to keep in mind is in everything that we talk about from a storytelling perspective within Destiny, there is very 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 few pieces of information of source of primary sources that are actually canonical in nature everything that we have is predominantly portrayed or relayed to our character by another character and 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 i understand the the need for people who are trying to escape reality by playing a video game, I, I get that. That's that's very frustrating. But the thing is, is like that's what makes it. That's what honestly has kept me invested in Destiny for what five, four years, five years now. It yeah. hasn't been the game. I'll be I'll be a hundred percent. It hasn't been the gameplay. Those of you who know me from you know Rise of Iron know that I stopped playing for a good six or eight months. But I came back every week and we we talked about stories, and that's because discovering the nuances and discovering the twists and turns of the story like this one that we're going to talk about was what was causing so much interest and so much passion for me and so the thing is is that you can relay i can tell you i can tell you one thing and if i tell you you know x one person's going to interpret it differently than another both of them, technically speaking, are correct in their interpretations because it is not necessarily going to be objectively true. It's a subjective recounting of a event. And so that's where you kind of start coming into cognitive biases. And and this is something that, you know, as a psychology major um, and as also with my experience where I went to school, we had to deal a lot with an analogy 
analysis that was dictated through other people's enc- encounters of events. Uh, we refer to them as phenomena, which is where the, the concept of phenomenology, which is a school of philosophy, comes from. And so this whole thing, it, it really it makes sense to me, and I, I have always approached things with it. I also understand where if you're not thinking at it from that particular degree— um, it's very frustrating. It's very, very. Uh, yeah. It's these, these, yeah. these concepts that are presented as abstract truth, which are not actually abstract truth, are suddenly being changed, and I can understand how that misperception can cause frustration. But that's why I kind of wanted to, you know, do kind of a long lead up, wind up there, because there are things that are going to get pulled out from under you on these mm-hmm. particular, especially on the saga of yore, as I've come to call it. Like there was the whole. He's a titan, not a hunter, except he's not really any because he's not. he was before Guardians, which we did get confirmation of with uh, Drifter, actually. Today? Yep. Was it today that we got? He does not uh, have a class. He is referred to as a, a light bearer. It was uh, yesterday. Jonathan? Or was it? Okay, was it yesterday? Up. Okay, yeah, 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 because it was yeah. with the uh, TWAB. Okay. I was going to say, because if it was today, man, I put that 30-minute video together. I know, yeah. I was going to say, fast. oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, it was, <laughs> It was. oh, man, gosh, man, my, my week has been kind of hectic. Um, what, but what's yes, a week? I yeah, only know right. how days go together. That's, <laughs> that's all I understand anymore. I know that there's a sleep thing, and then I get up and do stuff, and then there's another. Yeah. Well, there's usually a sleep thing again, but sometimes there's not, and <laughs> there's a lot of coffee See, involved, okay? To the Vex... To the Vex, time is nonlinear, and that's about what it feels like my life is anymore. You know, it's just this big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. But um, and another another thing actually to kind of to so to kind of really bring it back into uh, Shin, right? Another really cool quote is from A Matter of Trust, which is the first entry, and I love this quote. I love this quote, and he says, "A person, any person." Our lives and deeds live beyond us, our moments making us whole, our actions carving our being into the endless expanse of existence. Even after death, we were here. All we do can be forgotten, but it cannot be erased. Every life we touch alters the course of another being's reality. That reality then shapes the world around it as all we are ripples out beyond we are, who we are. So this is where you kind of get into the concept of... It's kind of similar to string theory, chaos theory, you know, the Mothman, their Mothman prophecies and all this stuff. Um, All those all those crazy talks and all this stuff is is kind of what he's talking about. If you ever drop a a very, very cliche example, very common example is go to find a a still body of water, drop a pot, drop a pebble in it and then throw a pebble at the other end. And watch where the ripples intersect and see what happens. They bounce off each other and they, they go into new directions. And all of these really cool little images start kind of being made through those two disturbances. But those two disturbances, there's not an additional disturbance that's creating these you know tertiary disturbances. And, and that's where we're kind of seeing here. Um, and, and so what this is kind of leading into is there's kind of there's kind of three major points and beard I'm going to kind of say and I want to hear if you're okay with these there's three major things that I kind of want to talk about especially uh shins the truth of shin uh or at least some of the truth of shin uh what what that truth means uh with especially in particular to the shadows because that's going to yeah. that's the, there's something that's going to change there 
And then also what that truth means for us and our future within the Destiny universe. Because we already see a changing universe with the events of the Drifter, especially in light of what was put out by the devs yesterday. They're, they're kind of doubling down on this whole thing. And so I think this is going to be a very, very prominent conversation that we're going to be having more and more. And I'm, I'm really excited about that because this is getting into morality and philosophy and, you know, this is going to be fun. So to I kind of say where I think uh, the like the Black Armory papers mm-hmm. gave us a story that we sat back and thought about pretty heavily in relations back to history that we've been like pining for forever. This one actually deals with like present day past day and into the future as we go along like all of these different revelations that could pop up as we uh as we continue with the game and its life like it's such a at the the whole point of destiny 2 is to kind of talk to you about what it means to be a guardian and as uh fell winter said from our uh from our talk last time uh i don't know any uh any better human uh any better way Oh, to yeah. express it as a human. Yeah. In this case, it'll be as a guardian, but, you know. Well, and that's, and that, you know, right. And, you know, that's the thing is, so when we talk about, okay, so when I talk about the book, uh, we have yeah. nine entries. I'm just going to do a quick breakdown of the book real quick. I have nine entries in this book. Um, there are two, four, five that are written from Shin to the guardian or involve Shin and the guardian. And then there is the extra four. And this is where we're going to double down again. Just last reminder, spoilers here. Those last four are the final four. Well, the next four pages within the book of unmaking. Okay. So kind of give you an idea of where we're going with this. Shin is very, very closely aligned with the shadows. And actually, we go to find out that Shin is actually one of, if not the creator of the shadows of Yore. And we start down this road with the matter of trust. And so the, the, entire, the entire thing throughout this book is Shin doesn't trust anybody. And Shin is now trusting us with a truth that he has hid from pretty much every single person, every single guardian that he has ever interacted with. This, no, one, no one really knows this, this fact about Shin, um, except for us. Now we know and and that's kind of where the book ends is he he reveals it he bears he bears this truth to us he finally lets us see the cards or some of the cards that he has in his hand and now it's up to us what we do with that and that's where the book ends and i really really am looking forward to that particular piece of this conversation but really honestly to kind of cut it to the quick shin is the leader of the shadows of yore but he is also the man with the golden gun so he's playing both sides here. And this is where we see the involvement of <clears throat> Tebin's notes. So the entries to the Book of Unmaking are interesting in and of themselves. I'm not going to spend too much time delving into those particular ones. I, I kind of feel Beard, you know, and I think you will agree with me. I think now that we actually have arguably the full book, book of Unmaking, we might want to switch back and do a, a, an episode just on those verses. I feel like we could do... I I feel like we could probably do 13. (laughs) Yeah, realistically. Uh, But I feel like we could do, like, one synopsis, if you will, of, like, the the time. Because that's what we can at least kind of dig into at the entries, at least, is, like, the synopsis from Tevin himself. Right, and I think the synopsis... Right, I think those are very important. And that deals at least with, like, what Shin was doing, or what 
uh, the man with the gold gun was doing, and then what uh, Orsa was doing, etc. Uh, but then I think what we can do is at least take, like you were kind of hinting at here, just take the entries uh, as you have already graciously done, and <laughs> I, talk about. Those I will. In an I will also link those. Yeah, I will link those in the show notes as well. Uh, basically, what I did was. Um, I told Beard, I was like, I'm getting tired of jumping between pages to figure out which verse goes where. So I just basically took all the the chapters and verses and put them into a single document. Um, and I, I'll have that. I, I'll put that in the show notes for anyone who wants those. Um, just it's 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 basically the entries to the book of unmaking and the verses for each of those entries and the understandings without any of the synopsis notes from gray without any of the different cards it's just all put together in one document uh which makes it a lot easier to read and and do analysis on but uh so one of the other reasons too that we want to highlight that the what was it the the 11th understanding i think was the original seventh book of sorrow entry that we had got uh i think it was the 13th 13th, 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 13th. yeah yeah 13th the rendering Uh, rending of one's enemies Yes, that's it. Uh, that's why I think it's very important to highlight the Book of the Unmaking, because we've already seen an entry from it previously, from way back when. Right. Uh, and it's also a confirmation of the quote-unquote Book of Sorrow, instead of just the Books of Sorrow as written by Oryx, to almost suggest that there are the the five verses or five pieces that we got were... Uh, were from Oryx himself, and now these are from a different uh, uh, contestation altogether. But I I still really wonder about the origin point of this book. That is something that I I don't think we still have uh, fully explained, outside of it just being along the path and whatnot uh, of what Yor had done. It's still confusing to me, because I still question, like, how, how valid the book really is. Or how much of it is them writing a book of sorrow and mm-hmm. trying to make it look like they had actually done something to follow along with your that this is a master plan. I'm getting ahead of myself. Right. You oh, yeah. I like, already yeah. see where I'm going with yeah. this anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's <laughs> and that's that's but that's that's the legit thing is now because, again, we've we have a person now who just admitted to deceiving not just us, but everyone. And yep. so now he's asking for us to trust him. It's like, yeah. so that's a question for, you know, you as a guardian, you as a person, do you trust someone who then, who, who comes forward and says, Hey, I've been lying to you and I've not just been, you know, I've not just been lying to you. I have deceived you significantly. Possibly the ultimate lie of it, like I mean, all it, times for guardians. Right. <laughs> and, it, and, and so then then he then that person turns around and says but i need you to trust me because this is what we're doing this is why we're doing this is why i've made this lie this is why i wove this tale you know this is the deeper deeper connection deeper meaning of what i am trying to do this is the path that we are trying to walk because we know that not everyone can walk it it's a dangerous path and so i had right. to lie but do you, so the question is do you trust that person or do you do you follow that person even better right and and yeah black flag in chat i mean the speaker lied to us i mean it, I was, it, but i was gonna it's... say talking about perspective pieces on like <laughs> what kind of information you actually take it and 
to be fair, I I have to call him out as well. Uh, only because, or really, I'll I'll call out the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, the three main warlock thinkers of Toland, Osiris, and Ulantan. Uh, all of them present us with philosophical ideas and natures, etc., that present themselves. This is just another perspective in the long basket of everything. The only difference is the three amongst the the four of them that kind of have showcased full identity so far have been Osiris with the Vex and fighting them back. Uh, Toland by being rented by Crota and subsequently killing everybody else around him. Uh, and then also with, uh, with, with Shin in the cases of this. I mean, of course we have to go ahead and also, like, trust him a little bit. I mean, he did give us Thorn and he did give us, you know, last word, like the originals, it looks like. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's good enough. I mean, I am a guardian. I'm just concerned with loot, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just step out of the game, right? Yeah, really. Yeah. Don't get me started on the fourth wall breaks. <laughs> I I I am to this point now. I've I've already commented. I am going to start a compilation of all the fourth wall breaks that we have because they have just built up to that point that it is that important. Like we need to talk about it. We do need to talk about it. And and yeah. we need to also talk about is it actually fourth wall breaking or is it dimensional? Right. Because there's there's a nuanced well, difference and it's it's uh, a nuanced difference i mean not when you not, start introducing tarot cards and the occult yes uh, right just a little but, bit but that's what i mean that's what i mean <laughs> i'm like is it really oh anyways that's that's a whole different i promise we're not say, going we on different we tangents bring up the nine. <laughs> we said we weren't gonna bring up the nine let's not uh, so so a matter uh, of trust a matter of trust is the first entry uh and a matter of trust is basically Shin being like, hey, so we need to talk, <laughs> which is always He's an like, awkward re- start of a conversation with anyone. <laughs> you remember that thing I told you at the end of the month, these centuries? You remember how I told you not to do this thing? Well, you did this thing, so now we got to talk about now it. Now we got to chat. But you know what? Let me tell you something. It's not as terrible as you think it's going to be. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And so then we get to the next card of the pain of what's right. Uh, And this is, again, Shin is writing to the Guardian. This is where I made the comment. This is where the the, uh, quote about perception is brought in. And this is where you start getting the sense of, hang on, wait, what's going on? Because the villain that he's talking about here... (laughs) Chat, yeah. Um... (laughs) Sorry, chat, chat. Yeah, that's exactly. It's you. It's not you. It's me. Uh, it's not you. It's me. Oh my well, god! I haven't heard that enough in my life. But uh, anyway, but this is so the pain of what's right is where we start getting the idea that oh wait, hang on, maybe Shin is not so great. Is maybe Shin is not as pure as we have been led to believe. And in retrospect, maybe Dredgen Yor is not as a as much of an abomination as we thought he was. Now. I'm still he- I'm still hesitant on that last one, but you know we'll we'll get into it just in a second. Um, and so you know he goes on. He's like, "But what if I were to weave another tale, give deeper meaning to the conflict that has drawn my and yours legacy to be painted in such a hateful light?" Um, and so, and this is also where you see an acknowledgement of the of 
what our guardian has done because he opens this entry with the comment that uh, the quote that you seek to wield the rival cannons is a noble quest one that has brought low many who would claim to be your equal the last word and thorn are linked by the blood they've shed but as you know they are bound by more than violence they represent warring ideologies they are of a kind and yet wholly opposite, the cleansing fire and the festering disease, like the common view of myself in the shadows. Adversaries meant to destroy one another, enemies to our core. But what if I were to weave another tale, give a deeper meaning to the conflict that has drawn my and yours legacy to be painted in such a hateful light? Okay, so again, we have a... a confluence of events here or a confluence of ideologies here and the thing to remember is that it is now in game confirmed that our character the guardian holds both the last word and thorn Mm -hmm. these are two weapons that have never before truly been held by the same wielder because if you remember even when dredgenior defeated jaren he he did I, I'm pretty sure he touched the last word, but he did not wield it. He gave it back and he said, Give this to the boy to give this to the boy. Mm-hmm. Give his master's sword to the boy. And this is where you saw that nod of giving Shin purpose through vengeance. Giving Shin yeah. he he was and as we kind of come to find out, uh Dredgenor was offering something. Mm-hmm. Dredgenor was teaching. He was a teacher here. And this is where we start seeing that there is maybe a bigger picture at, in play here than just Dredgen being a terror and being a force of nature and being this monster that he was. He was going for something much larger. He was playing on a much larger field than maybe we're even aware of. We have another couple characters who are doing this. We have Toland. We have Mara. We have Osiris. You know, there's these big memories. Toland, I don't, I kind of hesitated to put him in there, but I mean, to be fair, Toland is playing dabbling with the Ascendant Plains. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would be remiss not to mention that. He is still in the game. He's just in a different, I don't really know what he's doing. But I mean, yeah, he's he, still, he he's still in there. belongs there. Oh yeah, absolutely no, he's, belongs he's, there. he is bat crazy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he is. But he I mean, but he also is playing at a bigger thing because he is after the quiddity of death. To be fair, he may not be whole. Right. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, mean, right. Yeah. I I was going to say he may not all be there. Yeah. But he's just not whole. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, but even even Toland in his broken state has yeah. been playing at a bigger game. He, Toland has been trying to understand the very nature of death. You know who else is trying to understand the very nature of death? The Nine. So, you know, in perspective, these are... We said we weren't going to bring up the Nine. Stop well, that. I mean, but right. But I mean, but it needs to be said. <laughs> like, I mean, these are these are cosmic entities that are troubling with entropy. Well, that's what Toland's working on. Osiris right. is trying to decipher, you know, the con, the uh, what is it, the convergence, and and you know how that is going to be played into this war of time and 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 you know space and all this, you know, Osiris is. I've started kind of seeing Osiris as the Doctor Who esque type character. Um, Absolutely. And then you know you have you have Shin, you have the Drifter, you have Dredgen. 
the the dredgens, the true dredgens, not not the shadows who are kind of we'll get into that with call and all that. But these are characters that everyone else is playing on a cosmic level and yet they're all forgetting the one thing that's very important and that is the guardian. The guardian is is the I would argue the fulcrum upon which all this balances and everyone has forgotten that the guardian actually can choose. And so when you see all these balancing acts going on, you know, Toland, Osiris, uh, you know, you mentioned Ulantan, uh, Mara, all these things, all these people are playing such big games, but Shin, Shin's going after the Guardian's soul. Drifter's going after the Guardian's soul. Like, they're going after the morality. They're going after the person upon which it all depends. And so, in a way, I'd almost argue that Shin and Drifter represent an actually a bigger conflict. Because the presentation of the Guardian, which is our character, you know, our individual characters, whatever, um, they are meant to be the the central centrifuge upon which all this stuff is based around. That's kind of what it's been presented to. And with that being said, go for it. It also gives this, again, perspective piece, if you will, of like, well, we're, we're dealing with darkness so we think. So now the question is essentially like which part or which side is the darkness per se in terms of like how we utilize it. Like the, the shadows of yore are regarded as these these terrible monsters, so to speak. Uh, until, of course, we end up getting this perspective piece and, and how it all kind of plays out. Uh, and then also with the drifter and how the, uh, how the drifter's use or dabblings in the dark kind of are as well. Uh, that's the general, at least, idea to me. Like, it's, it is two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about light and dark here anymore. We're talking about, like, dark and dark in a little bit of ways. Uh, but even then, again, you start to realize that it's more like the balancing on the tip. It's that, that's that idea of symmetry that we're starting to kind of be uh, more aware of. Yeah, and it's, to, like a, it's like something that Aldrin said. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, lines and something being thin or mm-hmm. something. I don't I think, know, it's also a hand cannon. Yeah, <laughs> the other the other thing that, that that makes me think of, too, is, you know, Green had mentioned her, her thing about the Drifter was about how he really lets you choose. He lets yep. you choose, and he respects yep. that choice. He might not agree with it, but he respects it. And that's something that we don't see a lot of in in the other npcs shin actually we do kind of see that but shin is just a little bit more uh trigger happy i guess would be the best way to saying like shin Shin has his own vigilante problems that we well, probably should acquire if we're, we acknowledge I, I i don't know if i would even go that far like shin still gives us the choice i suppose it's it, it's indirect but he still gives us the choice like do we do we hunt and ultimately find Thorn? Do we hunt for and ultimately put together Malfeasance? Do we ultimately uh, decide that we want to go ahead and like piece together these uh, these ideas and and dabbles that have been within like the Vanguard's purview, especially as being more uh, dark related and so on? Like he gives us the choice, uh, especially with like paper or uh, letters from a renegade. Uh, I think mm, that there's yeah. there at least with the stuff that we don't get to read because of course at that point that's being sent to at least we're we're largely thinking it's sent to Shax mm-hmm. and that he's working with him 
Uh, so we may not ever get that general sense of whatnot, but we know of the legends. We know of what happens to those that dabble too far this way, and we know that, like, the man with the golden gun might be coming after us. Right. And they make it a point to to showcase that with the ending, with the uh, corrupted strike with Malfeasance, where you well, they also together, and yeah, they also show do off that Callum and everything with the uh, salt mines entry, where Anor interrupts, yep. she interrupts him from doing. Yep. So. Um, the next, the next entry after the pain of what's right is actually the first entry that is not Shin, but it's a page of the book of unmaking and that's evolution. Um, Beard, I don't know. Did you want to talk about anything particular on this one? Let me, uh, let me get there real fast. I I think there was something. I mean, it's, it's a confirmation of the six new, six new dredgens. I gotta say the main ones, if you will, um, with, without which with can, which Drifter's not part of, which I found that was kind of interesting. Yeah, which also kind of actually I think digs back to uh, what what actually might come up a little bit later on. At least that's my thinking. But mm-hmm. uh, like uh, for instance, I'll just read down the list here. I'll just read verbatim what it is. Orsa is now an ever Dredgen Vale, which would be Zyre Orsa. Uh, Zana Moss is Dredgen Scar. Uh, Jonah Pavic, Dredgen Meyer, Callum Soul, who we know from previous as well, is Dredgen Cull. I love Boy, that. What a real I, slight I, I love that. I love that <laughs> yeah. nod to what he. Well, because ultimately that's what he does. Is what he does, which is I think that's kind of telling mm-hmm. of what uh, happens with the with the names of the the Dredgens as well. Uh, anyway, which also uh, which, i mean one final note on that part though too is also then remember what uh drifter's title was yeah it was dredge and hope also makes me think back to confessions of hope which is a completely different uh tangent. <laughs> oh no no <laughs> yeah i just said that uh, uh raga yasul which i think is a completely new one is dredge totalis uh, and I, which is uh, Tebin Gray, is Dredgen Bane. Now, the two that we knew of previously, at least from like uh, D1, would be Dredgen's Bane and Dredgen's Vale of uh, Tebin Gray and Zyra Orsa, respectively. Uh, and then, of course, we come to know Callum Soul uh, as Dredgen Cull uh, throughout the early events here of Forsaken. Uh, so, yeah, we have. Uh, we have several different pieces that kind of showcase what uh, what each of them is kind of about. Uh, and Black Flag's bringing up the thing actually that I that I wanted to talk about a little bit too. Uh, Zyre Orsa being Dredgen Vale, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because there might be this veil of secrecy going on, mm-hmm. uh, which again makes me kind of sit back and think about some of the other ones and what might actually go into them. Uh, We had a a soft confirmation from Jill today that a lot of names are actually chosen for specific purposes. Right. I I may have just like bookmarked the exact site oh, that she mentioned. Yeah, I just to ensure it too. Might have done the same because I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's good to know. I was like, oh, this this makes my job easy instead of me having to go and like hunt for these names and these different baby name sites that probably are mostly wrong because baby name sites are pretty well wrong. Uh, but th- that's really the big thing, uh, except for of course the fact that we're we're still uh, 
at the at the bottom we are still dealing with the hand scrawled note accompanying Tebin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. Uh, and we I I still am gonna just reiterate this point real fast. We have no confirmation where these pages come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until I start to really hear about like where the dig site was and whatnot, uh, I can't. I I think that Tebin thinks that, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you exactly where he got that information from. <laughs> now we do know that they got some of it from your ship, right? Yeah, there was some like early stuff, but again, we don't. But know, like, but th- again, this is, this, with revelations, this is perspective. That, yeah, this well, is, in revelations that sits. happen, it's like. You, we we also re, we also were told that you know the people who found it were Tebin and Desire. Well, hey, surprise, surprise! One of those people is not necessarily who he says he is, yep. and it's, it's Desire. Um, for anybody who's <laughs> not catching my my like pretend subtlety there, um, yeah. But like, so if this is this is one of the first things that I was kind of like, oh no. Because if if Shin, who is Zyre, is one of the ones who quote unquote <gasps> miraculously remembers where Palamon or discovers where Palamon is, the unmarked site right. that no one knows where, you know, right. that's because he grew up there. He knows where it is. Right. But then that begs the question: ha, Is that the first time he's gone back? You know, like right. there's there's a lot of and exactly what Beard's saying. There's a lot of potential for. This character, who has already kind of been, you know, under the, as you said, the veil of secrecy, you know, there's there's a lot of potential there of this person setting something up that might benefit him in the long run. And it, right. it, again, it's like, it's hard because I don't want to well, be the paranoid person, but it's really hard not to be. It, it's, as we kind of said early on, it's your being the teacher. Right. And now at this point, it's Shin needing to be the teacher for the next generation or what he feels is the lesson that was trying to be taught to him mm-hmm. this this could be the same general idea like keeping this in mind as we kind of go along uh as how you would interpret a lesson and then change it right like, well and that, i mean again school, perce- yeah like, perception perception is it's all about yeah, the really. perception well, and the and the perception, uh, as I was just going to say too, like think back to grade school because I go back to this this common one, and I'm sure I've said it on the show several times already, and I the, honestly don't remember if I have or not. Go to grade school, listen to uh, K through twelve history, <laughs> and especially in United States history, uh, we are taught how the founders could necessarily do no wrong. They were amazing people. They put together this great country, et cetera, et cetera. It may as well be propaganda because when we get to college or we tend to do our own looking even after the fact, if we decide to, we start to learn snippets and bits and pieces. And I think even, you know, something like uh, like Hamilton, the, the Broadway musical being right. brought out in a way, kind of showcases that, no, they weren't really these perfect individuals <laughs> and they are still human beings and you are thinking too far and highly of them, and you need to step back to go ahead and contemplate that idea. You know, just these little bits and pieces that go into it. Not to, you know, I'm sure somebody has already said that I've talked ill of the Founding Fathers, and I'm like, they're human beings, they were human beings, that effectively founded a country and nations on, like, how they wanted and, and how their perception 
was and how they they saw the world there is no difference in how we found our, our founding fathers had put together this country versus another country altogether within this same exact planet or in another planet in the other uh, far ends of the universe you cannot change my mind on that ideal because uh, yeah. anything anything and including this with how shin put his uh thoughts together by possibility i'm not saying confirmed but by possibility and understanding this teaching that you're presented to him it's by his understanding it's by his perspective and that's what he founds this on yes <laughs> i mean yeah i mean i i mean i i yeah that's exactly what it is i mean i feel like i got there a little too quick but eh, yeah you know i it works just yeah i I guess we can just move that to like later in the show or something i don't know i i think that was all with (laughs) i think that was it with evolution i'm just kind of skimming my notes here real quick but uh no i mean it talks it talks about to reiterate is how drifter dredge and hope is not listed here uh, mm-hmm. but again, I'll, I'll, I'll get to talking all why I think that is a little bit later on here. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. And then also the, the, the comments that, you know, this is the enter the third lives. We have not wholly changed. Our evolution has begun. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's also kind of an acknowledgement from them that he, and Tevin kind of puts in there, there will be fear at the sight of us. And in response to our deeds, there will be pain, both ours and others. This we know, and this we accept with pride and eager, angry hearts. Um, so it's, it's kind of transitioning into that second point that I want to talk about is this also this new interpretation of what exactly are these shadows trying to do? Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of brings us into the faith in monsters piece. Uh, and this is this is really more than anything a recollection from Shin about uh, about his his realization of what Yor was doing. Um, and so I'm actually I'm actually just going to read this one because I really appreciate the explanation. And there's a couple things that I want to kind of point out too after I get done with it. But so this is faith in monsters. And this is this is like large clarification. Oh my gosh, this I'll, is I'll huge. just say that like oh. right now. It, so he, it explains like several different pieces. Thinking explain, oh, it explains tons of it. Think but, on uh, is it Thorn Four? Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Last Word Three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. between those two entries, just try to if if you can recollect some stuff behind them, just think about that in the back of your mind as we go along here with this entry, because that's how important this one is anyway blue i'm keeping from no 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 that's that's exactly (laughs) that's one that's one of the big big things so he says i hunted dredge and yore for decades first at jaron ward's side then alone i was obsessed driven i hated the man still do the difference between all the moments before i lit my fire and put rounds into the and every moment since is what i learned in the instant i pulled last word from its leather yore never fired Never even moved to draw. He just stood, straight and calm, till my infernal lead tore through him. Then he dropped. It didn't register at first. Once he fell, the moment kind of hung there. I walked over, the world was quiet, and I squeezed off two more. To be sure, I remember a hint of joy well up inside me as I thought back on Jaren. I'd avenged him. I'd avenged Palamon, and Durga, and North Channel, and all the rest. But my mind hung on Jaren, and my joy became tainted with an uneasy feeling. The moment of Jaren's death played in, on repeat in my mind. Rapid fire. 
Jaren's cannon, then yours, then silence, long ago in a nowhere forest out west. Jaren never missed, yet he did. Your, then, didn't. But Jaren was no easy target. Was your? He hadn't flinched when I pulled steel. No movement, no change in his tone or words. I gunned him down in mid-sentence, as if he didn't care. He knew I would. Knew I'd draw. Knew I'd fire. So why the talk? Why have words when he knew mine would be loud? Mine would be death? Maybe you'll understand this without further explanation. Maybe you won't. But the answer is, and it set my course for every moment after, because he believed in me. One thing, I just want to call out real fast, how much I called it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, and it was like, I told, I, I remember telling Green, I was like, well, I was kind of right because it, yeah. it always struck me that you're never like even moved. Like he never that there he, was no talk of movement. There was no no talk no. Of, like, he he didn't nothing. like no no nothing. He I'm like I'm like you're in a gunfight and there's not even a twitch. Like I mean, and I I mean at first like, I, like I he, for the he's up pulling until the guy yeah he's pulling the guy in good the bad and the ugly that's like standing outside when the guy's in the freaking tub <laughs> and he's looking at Shin talking and all of a sudden he gets shot and it's like if you're gonna shoot shoot don't talk. <laughs> But the other thing I do want to, the, the other big thing, other than, so there's this confirmation here, and um, I think it's also, let me make sure, I think it's uh, Shadow's Worth will be another one that I want to read in just a second. But uh, this part sets up what is going to be even more overtly clarified in a Shadow's Worth. Uh, and But the other, the point that I want to make out here is that Shin refers to the golden gun as infernal lead. I want I want to call that out because infernal is a very distinct word choice here and I find that very interesting and in, especially as we later read through this book and we start learning a little bit more about the darkness that's within Shin because we have not ever really referred to someone summoning light as an infernal thing infernal is demonic it's dark it's dangerous it's evil it's not good and so when we start doing that, and the name of this entry is Faith in Monsters, like you, you start seeing where my brain is starting to kind of connect some of these dots. And so, and then Beard, I'm going to jump over Suffering real quick, and I'm going to go to the Shadow's Worth, and we'll come back to Suffering if that's okay. Sure. Okay. Yep. So a Shadow's Worth is kind of a conclusion of this piece. And he says, Your wasn't faster than Jaren, and Jaren didn't miss. Your was just more than Jaren. Your was other. It took fire to burn him down. And Jaren, for all his gifts, was lacking in fire. We all were. Not saying I was the first. The lessons I learned, the ability I honed to ignite my rage and direct it through my cannon, those were hard lessons learned on a hard, hot planet. Before Osiris's exile. Before the gap. My pilgrimage was long and pained and driven by my hate. But that was the point. Skill was not enough. Confidence was no weapon. Not when faced with the terrors of the dark. Yor knew this. Yor counted on it. So when Jaren faced him down, Yor gave him the first shot, offered freely. But Jaren's lead wasn't enough. And when Yor replied, his sickness consumed Jared's light and left me once again an orphan. Once again weighed down by sorrow and anger. Yor sought to gift me Jaren's prize as a means to tempt me. And it did. When that gun finally met my hand again, it was the catalyst that drove me to find a way to avenge all I had loved. It was a selfish pursuit. But when Yor and I finally met on that flat high ridge, I was ready, 
and as I would come to find, so was he, ready to offer his final lesson, his final gift, a final push toward my true destiny, one that would put me at odds with heroes in order to ensure our worlds are filled with fewer monsters. It was a path I was sure to walk alone, until I found others, until I found trust, until I found hidden value in that which I had always feared, shadows. So, yeah. (laughs) I don't know how to, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) The, the only other piece to kind of, I guess, really, like, these are, these are very straightforward entries, which is one thing I really kind of like about it. They're not trying to, uh, not, not judge and mire, but they're trying not to mire this in a lot of, like, junk like yeah. he they're trying to show that Shin is trying to be very straightforward with us about what's going on here. Uh but I like that they in Faith and Monsters especially they call out the places mm-hmm. that oh uh, my gosh, Yor had, had been to, as oh, well. It confirms and those the, places too. Yep. And in addition how he was saying how his pilgrimage was long and pained and driven by my hate uh and how he was probably following Yor amongst all of those places but then also going to mercury and other areas and so on in addition though we don't necessarily know that like these uh like north channel for instance or uh uh durga we we know that durga at least is a place here on the planet but we don't know if there was like another durga that was mentioned in other areas uh around our system for instance um the largest thing that makes me wonder is like how many planets that they go by because it seems like your especially as well was on mars at one point so we don't know like where that could have led him etc uh but yeah i i just like how he knows exactly where my, my point here where your was going and he's able to at least catalog that back to the shadows later on like it seems like he's he's taking this up on his own. He's understanding the path that he needs to go, and he's understanding now the further that he contemplates and thinks about it, what he needs to do in order to defeat those monsters that show up. And he's content enough to do it himself uh, until suddenly he finds a crew that he is comfortable with. Like that's I don't have much else honestly when it comes down to him. Like they. Yeah, real quick. Uh, the, uh, oh, no, go yeah. for it, go for it, go for it. The only other thing that uh, makes me kind of possibly wonder is he says that he had found others that, uh, oh, I'll kind of read it again here, until I found Hidden Valley, uh, one uh, that would put me at odds with heroes in order to ensure our worlds are filled with fewer monsters. It was a path I was sure to walk alone until I found others, until I found trust. It makes me wonder if they weren't already on that same path, like the Shadows of Yore had uh, kind of formed on their own previously. Mm, like but Teb- Shin had... Tebin had already kind of gotten a group together, and Shin found right. them. I could yeah, that. and he was, they, they were like effectively uh, building a group that looked at Yore from like a, a historical and combat, uh, combative perspective. And they were like trying to figure out what it was, what was going on with it, etc. Like digging into the legend, uh, and then suddenly here is Orsa's Iyer, who has all this information that is able to, uh, you know, start to stem out to these uh, to these shadows that 
start to put themselves together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just wonder how far or, or how possibly true that is. This is, again, though, like looking at it from 20 different angles. Right. Like you could you could argue to say that, well, this is the way that they're telling the story and this is how they expect it to be. Uh, and you would probably be right in some cases, but I've I've already I've already learned with this lore. You view it from 20 different angles and then some. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to mention too, chat chat is asking this uh, mm-hmm. about the difference between Jaren and Shen. Uh, yeah, so I, chat, I saw that. So I wanted yeah, to leave that be. <laughs> yeah. So the chat chat was asking, you know, is this is this a situation in like let's put it in game terms that you know Jaren wasn't high enough light level or you know whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that no, it's not. It's not that actually at all. It's that Jaren didn't have a golden gun. Um, yep. He didn't have this rage, this emotion, this passion that Shin is talking about. Jaren had yep. confidence. He had skill, and I mean, like I I get the feeling that he. I mean, he. We know Jaren was a guardian. He had a ghost, obviously, because that's where Shen gets his ghost. Is Jaren's yeah. ghost adopts him? So, like, we know that Jaren was a guardian. We don't know what subclass, but we. I can feel pretty confident telling you it probably wasn't a golden gun. Now, that mm-hmm. being said, you know that doesn't mean that he didn't have solar light. We we have several. Um, we now have several options as far as solar light goes with the introduction with uh nah, bah, 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 bah. I just went blank on the the spectral not the spectral blades what is it the the oh with the uh, blade barrage and blade whatnot. barrage yeah, yeah absolutely so like and and we see that you know this would not be the first time that we see a unique portrayal of solar light i mean even mm-hmm. shin has these uh or no sorry drifter has the ability to kind of cauterize wounds with solar light um right. which is not a it's not a known super that we all have but drifter is also explained as a light bearer not a guardian so you know there's Which is there's a very different distinction yes it's a very important distinction too like there's there's the he's classless he's he's yep. multi-class if you will um and so we have a soft confirmation in the drifters lore entries as well that that's actually kind of the case but the thing here is that it's not that shin was you know or it's sorry it's not that jaren was less than shin um, yeah. In fact, I, I would argue that, you know, if anything, Jaren was in some capacities more, but it's it's the it was not enough to defeat uh, your because it what, was not what, enough to defeat the eternal abyss. Right. Which, oh, my God, I have I, there's uh, that <clears throat> name just makes me think of Nietzsche or Nietzsche. <laughs> but anyways, there's there's a whole connection there that I'm I'm still working on because it's like there's. <laughs> What what about what about a cult? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. It's just I'm like, oh my god, it's like ah. Uh. But anyways, um, because Shin is the one who hunts monsters, and anyways, yeah. moving on. Um, <laughs> oh god, it's just it's such. A, but so like, but that's the thing is like Jaren. Jaren didn't. Uh, it Jaren was portrayed as you know the cool, collected, confident, very skilled hunter. He was never portrayed as an emotional person. Actually, that was one of the things that Shin specifically called out about Jaren is that you never knew what he was like thinking. And his ghost was very similar. His ghost was his ghost didn't talk at all to anybody except for Jaren. And so there was that. Um, 
the uh let me see da, da, da. so as far as like inside lore entries no we don't have evidence of jaren ever using you know quote unquote light abilities but i would yeah. i wouldn't i would say that that's not I wouldn't say that that means that he didn't have light abilities um, yeah. because I would argue the fact that he has a ghost kind of points that to not be the case is that, that long story short. That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Um, yeah, I would, I would kind of go with that. I, I think it's just like what uh, is, is kind of explained here. Like Jaren uh, was one thing, but your was other mm-hmm. and he kind of counts himself as other uh, as well. I think it also important to point out that if Jaren never missed and he did hit Yor and Yor no longer has a ghost, yep. he was able to survive a shot from the last word at any possibly given distance uh, and still go ahead and gun down Jaren afterward. Which, which I would also point out is not something that is entirely unheard of with the introduction of Nocris. Because right. remember, Nocris is a necromancer, yeah. which apparently is, you know, slightly taboo within the hive. But I mean, so in the hive are, you know, arguably that's Zior is whispering sweet nothings in, in yours ears, you know, so I mean, it's not it's not yeah. un, it would not it would not surprise me to to learn that there was a bit of um, heretical hive teachings going on with Yor. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, but you don't want to hear my thoughts on that. Well, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's also, there's also my thoughts of, you know, if Zior is the one that gives him the information on the Book of Unmaking, was Zior technically, you know, in in good standing with the rest of the Hive? Because uh, I'm thinking something completely different. Yeah, I don't want to think what you're thinking. Terms, so I'm okay, not, I'm not going, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. Because I don't, I don't like Rule Thirty Four on that nature. Anyways, moving on. It's not. No, it's not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, we skipped suffering, by the yes, way. Yes, we did. Yes, I was, and I, and I said thing. we were going to go back. So let's go. We're speaking of suffering right now, so let's go back to suffering. I, uh, I, I lovingly call this one the uh, the future war called entry. <laughs> if you read it over, like I. I I can't read this, uh, especially with like in uh, in in part number seven. It says life is war within and without. Suffering is not pain; it is life. And for me, I cannot in any way, shape, or fashion read that without thinking about future war call. Uh, just reading over the eleventh understanding in general, it kind of like makes me think about that in general. Just. Mm-hmm. The, the the overall synopsis look uh, to your suffering and know that it is a gift uh, for only those who strive truly suffer all else are simply made too so I, I mean it kind of ties into the philosophy too of like how do you know that you're alive you're yeah you, you, you can feel pain what's that drifters already dead okay yeah well right yeah yeah <laughs> oh gosh man <laughs> oh I still I still love uh, going back into that. Uh, but yeah, in a lot of cases, it just feels related to the FWC tenants that we kind of know of so far. Um, I don't know anything else in the entries. Uh, it's kind of like the idea? the other thing is the call out that not all heroes may walk freely in the light. Uh, yeah. So this is this is a acknowledgement of kind of what I would what I would hesitantly call the true 
uh, goal of the shadows is mm-hmm. that you know these these characters these uh, individuals are being now instead of villains they're not they're not deifying what Yor did. In fact, they yeah. they're in in some regards disgusted by what Yor yep. was, but they also see the benefit in what Yor did, and they are recognizing the same as Shin did that there are times when when you're hunting monsters that you have to become a monster um and they are willing to take that burden on and that hatred of the other on in order to as as Shin kind of said in order to make sure that the world has fewer monsters in it uh mm-hmm. which which actually i i i kind of don't really i don't feel really a lot of like disgust towards that because no. that's really similar to what you hear about with the original portrayal of the Night Stalker uh, back yep. in Taken King was that was exactly how the Night Stalker was presented was they were the hunter who was so good at what they did that it made other guardians nervous because yep. in order to hunt the monsters, they were actually able to get into the head of the monsters as if almost they were monsters themselves. Um, right. One of my favorite pieces of armor is the Orpheus rig. Uh, which I've, you know, I've made that comment before. And if you read the entry there, Qantas Re is the figure that is being talked about, who is uh, the the narrator in that particular piece. And Qantas is talking about how she feels more at home within the Vex catacombs underneath, I believe it's Nessus, because she's she's constantly having to live on that knife's edge of, you know, survival. She right. She makes the comment that, Going to the city for, you know, to report into the vanguard of what she's found is actually more unnerving to her than it is living in the Vex infested catacombs, you know, and so that's and she's a night stalker. So, you know, it's just like that's again, that's kind of where I'm kind of seeing a a connection kind of. And we know that the Night Stalker was an older class of Guardians, uh, you know, as far as the skill ability that was kind of called out within Taken King mm-hmm. with the more elemental class, uh, subclasses, uh, which would be, I just refer to them as Emperor Palpatine, uh, the Tickle Fingers, and then... Um, oh, Stormcaller and Sunbreaker. And, uh, Sunbreaker, well. yeah. yeah. And Sunbreaker, we also knew were was an older one as well from the Mercenaries area. Right. So plus, I mean, it's again, uh, plus it's skills and talents, so to speak, right? Yeah, and so again, or it was just kind are, of like, especially in the case of the Night Stalker, feared. Yes, yeah. Well, and I mean, and you know, storm. I would say Stormcallers were misunderstood more than anything because the harmony. Well, Stormcallers, especially on like a, a warlock stand, uh, warlock standpoint too. They they run on that exact thing. Like I see Tebin Gray as a Stormcaller. Because he runs on the abilities of, uh, or the the thoughts of balance. Mm-hmm. What we see in the Stormcaller entries is yes, that the, uh, that's a very you're, you're supposed to uh, present yourself with like a, a a side in terms of like where your emotions, quote unquote, should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Voidwalker calls for calm. The Sunbreaker calls for fury. Meanwhile, the uh, Stormcaller calls for harmony. And that's actually the thing that I find most interesting with uh, the way that Stormcallers especially are kind of presented uh, versus even like other Arc subclasses and so on. Like, 
it's still one reason that the Warlock fascinates me to this to this day, and why I absolutely still love playing the cla- uh, the the subclass or the class as a whole is just the absolute power that is wielded by them, and how each and every time you throw a Nova Bomb or go into Storm Trance or pop out the sword in either protective mannerisms or as a offensive weapon, you are still uh, like exercising that philosophy every single time you cast a super mm-hmm. it is so fundamental to the way that they're they're pretty well put together it's the the whole reason i bring that up it's no different than what's going on here with like the shadows of yore as well and how they're kind of putting themselves together it's again why i think that tebin is uh possibly his subclass is a stormcaller because he would have to wrestle with this idea of balance the whole time and he would already be pre uh, pre exposed to it already. Right. Uh, he, he may have been able to kind of like grasp that idea, and especially if he is an older warlock or an older mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. user of the light, that's another call out back to it because these are older uh, these are older abilities that we seem to have lost in that regard. Uh, it's not about calm for him. It's not about fury for him. He's looking for answers. I think right. that's what's so important to kind of point out about the the shadows in general, but I think Tevin as a whole, which is the little bits that we've kind of gotten from him, uh, could do a whole thing on Tevin with all the stuff we've gotten. Like, right? Oh yeah. He's, well, he's because Tevin is also, I mean, to be fair, Tevin is also the large reason that we have so much on the shadows. Right. Um, the other thing is, is you know, you're talking about Tevin as an arc or a. a the tickle fingers Strong um yeah. yes that one uh i'm sorry i like <laughs> i default to referring to them as tickle fingers or emperor palpatine so you know it's nothing anyways but i also in acceptable. the same i i also see shin to be honest i see him more as a night stalker than a golden uh, a gunslinger um yep. because his especially dark shin i guess we would refer to him as um because of that whole thing about you know, kind of the same thing, like the fear of the hunting and all this stuff. He has the rage of the golden gun. He has the mm-hmm. methodical nature of that. But mm-hmm. there's also the, the um, you know, kind of what you were talking about with the Stormcaller and about the balance and, you know, the true answers and everything like that. That seems to be more, it seems to be a lot of what is going on with Shin. Right. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, yes, I saw Black Flag saw where I was going with the whole thing in chat. Um, so we got Shadow's Worth, we got Suffering, and then we got Anger. Well, and, I had... Or did you have... What else did you have? The only other thing I wanted to bring up, because I think we've talked about like uh, vigilantism pretty heavily mm-hmm. so far, a little bit. Uh, if you need another relation at all to the Shadows of Yore, uh, just think about Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have any other place I can really go with that. Just think about Batman. Batman understands that he needs to become other in order to go against something like the mob, uh, or or go up against like the Joker or something otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that as well is his initial beliefs, and then what he kind of turns to or how he changes over time is really no different in that respect. Uh, so I think if you're looking for like another fictional relation i think batman is a is an excellent depiction of that or nightwing i i would argue that nightwing actually more so because of his uh his heavy turn to vigilantism or uh also red hood because yeah, red, hood red will hood. actually go and kill 
Yeah, Red Hood. I think Red Hood is more accurate because of the. Yeah, he'll go. He he will. He will actually kill things gladly. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but you want to talk about anger because that's that's I a mean, kind of important thing in Shin's uh, world. Yeah, but I didn't know I signed up for anger management classes. <laughs> I didn't even know I need them. That's. This is this is news to me. Chat, do I need anger management? Is that he what doesn't yell. He doesn't yell much, right? I don't. I don't go on rough tangents that get me involved in side politics and whatnot all the time. Never me. Anyway, <clears throat> the major things that I had seen here, uh, as interesting as I think the uh, basis with uh, you know the the entry about anger is which i do like the summation here by all accounts and regards and i think that uh, some people might need to just stick it in their morning mirror whenever they see it or in their morning coffee if they want to you know start to read by osmosis ignorance <laughs> is not passive it is a living, <laughs> I love it. aggressive I love this failure <laughs> see ignorance there was a reason i gave passive. this to you <laughs> yes ignorance is not passive it is a living, aggressive failure that angers the hearts of all who seek to evolve. <laughs> no, Doom. No. Let me tell you right now, that is not passion. That mm. is pure, unadulterated anger. That is anger at the thought, and I go through this every single day when I hear somebody that has something so closed-minded, it is unbelievable it is not passion it is anger to the point that you are stunting my ability or any other's ability to continue to evolve as this entry effectively talks about it and it is not physical evolution it is philosophical evolution it is not passion it is anger it's... this entry talks so right about the general position that I have as somebody that digs into history, that digs into education, and cares for those pieces, that it drives me absolutely belligerently insane, if you can't tell. <laughs> I, well, and the thing, like, the thing too, ugh. is when they, and I think you're, you're, you're spot on with that, is the evolution that can be applied in i mean so many different cases but the evolution clarity to is... doom I, I i'm I'm sorry to cut you off blue i just gotta get this oh yeah oh yeah i'm not yelling it, at you dude <laughs> right yeah 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 um the the evolution here that you know that i think beard is talking about is not in game it's the it's the growth of it's the growth of your person um and i know that kind of sounds weird but it's because it's through it's through the expression and the mental theory crafting and mental um, examination of things that we grow. Like that's that's where that growth comes from. And so if you are ignorant, you know, it says as knowledge blossoms, know you know nothing. That's a very base tenant in philosophy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know nothing. If you know, if you acknowledge that you know nothing, then you are opening yourself up to being able to learn. Because the instant that you say, no, I know that, that's when you have closed that door. And so yep. this is where you see that anger. And, and Beard, you know, I, I, I appreciate that because that is often where that is that is kind of going. And, and in regards to this entry, what they're doing is they're saying, let your anger guide you. 
Let that anger, that that ignorance, that passive ignorance or that living aggressive failure around you, let that guide you. Let that let that be the catalyst that pushes you forward. Um you know, and which we're starting to deal with some Sith ideas here. We are right. No, we are. We are. I mean, and to be fair to the Sith, not all their points were wrong. It's just they got some big things wrong. Um, I mean, in the same vein, not all the Jedi were right. They were kind of narcissists. Anyways, um, I have very strong feelings on Jedi and their stupidity. Um, what about but, Mace Windu? I'm yeah. Sorry. Oh my God. Uh, what not about even four and seven. Yeah, that one. Um, sorry. But the thing is, is here is we see this particular uh, note that's accompanying this is about Cull. This is yeah. about dredging Cull, and I, I kind of want. <laughs> sorry, chat. Um, your phone has Google on it. <laughs> Uh, this this is where we kind of learn uh, we had made a comment about this uh about cole's name kind of being appropriate because yeah. cole cole is the reason his his entire purpose kind of as a character is the culling of the false shadows um and what he and how he did this was he basically went on a rant about uh the thing that the shadow the shadows are against, you know, and he attracted all those followers who were who were there for all the wrong reasons to him and then led them into their demise at the hands of the man with the golden gun. But the thing is, is that resulted in Cole's death as well. Cole Cole sacrificed himself for that. And you even see Shin, who Shin, who is the man with the golden gun, who killed Cole, um, even refers to it as that noble sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's where I, I I don't know, Beard, I think you said you had some other stuff that you wanted to talk about with regards to Cole. Yeah, especially with, with this entry, because we we start to see a couple pieces, which granted, I know the, the next one, I think with emptiness, kind of covers all of it. But initial pieces here, uh, we start to see how, and, and Blue, you kind of already... Uh, touched on it a little bit where there's this additional uh or or subsect of the shadows that has kind of evolved mm-hmm. where they're they're like fully dark etc or really dabbling a little bit too far than they probably need to be um and that's where we kind of get the uh implications that like this is th- this is not the purpose of the shadows so Tebin believes but it is something that is necessary for them to uh, to, to kind of handle as they go along, and right. is necessary for even uh, even for their own understanding and their own uh, basis in knowledge. That like you 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 cut the chaff, you you get rid of the thing that effectively is not allowing you to grow anymore. Uh, if it cannot be conformed or it cannot be. Uh, allowed to like be open to it or it has strayed too far down the path then at that point it needs to be called it needs to be getting rid of it needs to allow Uh, for natural evolution natural selection i mean not to not to use darwin too heavily there but you know that's that's basically the concept of darwinism is oh yeah the the unnecessary shell will be carved away and right. only only the only the strong or the appropriate will be left. Mm-hmm. Um and so 
that's also where you get that sense. Um, and I was going to, yeah, pulling the weeds, right? Black flag. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's again, and you see this, uh, within other pages within the book of unmaking, you see reference to not letting emotion, you know, get in the way of these decisions right. that you have to make. And this is exactly what they're talking about. Shin also refers to this as the perfect trap because yep. he's basically, he's purposely misleading people and you know he even he even says that about uh malfeasance he's like you know malfeasance was was done in a way to kind of entrap those who would pervert what they view as being the true nature malfeasance was a gift right but but he said sought further problems or right yeah sorry yeah he, yeah they he, were the issue right he's he used it as a as a kind of a litmus test to see if you right. were going to push something that shouldn't be pushed and you know when you you didn't push or when you kind of pushed but not significantly it was kind of that's where this this kind of leads into yeah which i think actually we're kind of dabbling with emptiness at this point so we may as well just yes. move over that way I feel very um, empty. Yeah, I mean, that's about how I feel after a day of work. Um, <laughs> it's all that ignorance. Big th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the main thing with uh, with emptiness. Now, this is... Uh, we had talked about it at the top of the show about perspective with Shin Malfer as a whole. But it's also this internal uh, perspective that we also see with Tevin Gray. Because Tebin is dealing with this assumption of who Zyre Orsa is. And we never get this sense that Tebin knows who Zyre is at all. Yeah. Shin has kept his identity a complete secret from the shadows because he is using them to the ends that he needs here with emptiness. Because we find or come to find out that the uh, coal worked, uh, both dredging coal and the culling worked uh, <laughs> to the to the largest degree here. If we're just, you know, trying to, to dig these names a little bit further, I just figured you'd like to know that. Uh, the base idea, though, in this respect uh, is that the they, they weeded out those that effectively strayed too far. And they did this by ensuring uh, that Cole could basically pull them out of the woodwork entirely to say, hey, hey, I got this stuff that we can do that'll really push us over into the darkness. You want to you wanna go play with this? You want to go mess with it? And everybody's just like, well, is that what we're here for? So all of a sudden they start to pull up the weeds. They start to really get rid of all of that. Um, I'll, read, I'll read the... Uh, the actual Tebin portion though because I think it is fairly important to kind of uh, highlight exactly what ended up with all of this as we've been kind of uh, summating it uh, the ruse worked Cole's radical speech gathered the weaker among our number a splinter group of radical shadows hell-bent on worshipping darkness and bending to its will he preached a doctrine of hate empowered by total corruption and the lesser-minded who flocked to our purpose were drawn in like flies to filth more important, the renegade took the bait, turned many to ash, turned Cole to ash, a failing on two fronts. First, Cole's sacrifice bought us time and distance. 
Second, it rallied many of our newest recruits against the Renegade. Sides are being chosen, and Vale's recording of Cull's death will draw those most eager to tempt darkness. All is proceeding as we envision. Is it all proceeding as Tebin envisions? <laughs> That's or what is I was about to say. simply <laughs> proceeding as Zyre envisions? Because when all is said and done, again, Tebin has no idea that the Renegade is Zyre Orsa. Like, he has no idea, effectively, that this other person, this other entity, this Zyre Orsa who has a recording of Cull's death is the same renegade that also killed Dredgen Cull in seemingly the, the Dreaming City, as we have see, uh, uh, seemingly seen in the Corrupted Strike. And who has, as I as I kind of like to say, who has Hiroshima him to the rocks. Uh, yeah. Also makes me wonder if uh, they, uh, if if through that strike there aren't more of those like shadow figures up on the walls and whatnot. I never saw any, but I wasn't looking. It almost makes me wish I could get back into that version of the corrupted strike so I can kind of see it. Uh, I'll let you know when yeah, I get to it. Okay, that works. Um, but yeah, that's the the major thing that I think is kind of like, or should be realized here. Tebin and the other shadows are not understanding that Zyre is Shin Malfur or the man with the golden gun. Which, of course, that leads into revelations and invitations, which we've been talking about basically the entire podcast. Uh, but it's it's important to note it because it then has that layer of perspective that makes you wonder, well, where or how far is uh, is Shin willing to go mm-hmm. to allow for this to happen? And funny enough, ends on the 13th understanding of the 7th Book of Sorrow. To rend one's enemies is to see them not as equals, but objects. Hollow of spirit and meaning. And when all is said and done, that's pretty much what Shin is doing, even with the trusted Shadows of Yore. If he can use them to his advantage to make a culling or make something else that appears for the shadows as they are, he'll do it. And though he is uh, remorseful of it in some cases, he understands that it's necessary. And seemingly so do the other shadows. But if the only one that's left standing at the end is Zyre, oh well. Well, and I think that's also, uh, you know, Shaggy in chat's making the point, too, is like, could Tebin also be playing the part? Um, And I mean, because I'll be honest, I kind of read it both ways. I I see it both ways Um, because there's nowhere that I I don't know, like it it completely seems to depend on how you read the tone of the text, which I understand is extremely difficult with text. Um, Because like there also could be the argument that Tebin does know who zyre is and that he's Mm -hmm. writing these notes for the other shadows who may not be in that trusted inner circle you know considering that like zyre and and tebin are the founding members you're right like they kind of seem they kind of seem like intertwined with each other i i because i because i'll be honest when i first read that i read that as tebin knew and he was you know he was furthering the propaganda against Mm -hmm. the the false or the you know the the renegade and you know all this because if you read it as the shadows being a um i I like to refer them as a honeypot basically for these for these these karen flies that they're going after um 
that actually does further Shin's goal even more. If he has Tebin on his side, who's, you know, also whispering false propaganda against the Renegade and against, you know, all this stuff, I can see the argument there. And there's nothing really that strongly points either way. Um, because you can still, like I like I said, when I first read it, I actually read this as Tebin and Zyre are, like, in lockstep. I think there's something later that makes me think otherwise on that angle, but okay. I, I feel like we'll get to that with Revelations Invitations, but I I see where you're coming from because I think I had the initial reaction as well. I forget what it was that made me think otherwise. It might that, be it might be something to this. But anyway. Yeah, I I mean And and it could be like you you and I have run into this a couple of times because I remember on like a, a very early episode when I was on we got talking about Thorn mm-hmm. uh, and the Thorn entries and how I had uh, I, I had kind of read over the uh, entry in Thorn 4 where it was Jaren's ghost that was talking to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think there was something else that was going on there initially, and I was like, I, I can't read this as anything else, but yeah. I, well, and that's like our conversation I, I, with Purple, who, <laughs> with exactly. the, like, the, what was it, the one word that she was like, yeah, but you can read it this way. And I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, well, and that, and that came to, it, it, it's literally like, it, it's a war mind, or is it a yeah, war mind? Yeah, or a war mind, or, I'm like, I'm like, no, <laughs> like, Purple, like, why? Like, like, how? How is the emphasis derived on that on that single well, letter? Well, and that's right, and that's oh. where that's where I, I'm like, you know, I kind of sometimes wish, as much as I don't wish, also that these were audio because, yeah, with audio, yeah. W- regardless of if you agree with the emphasis, you you get that emphasis, you know, it's it's right there. Whereas with right. text, it's kind of like, eh, is it is well, it though? You know, like that's the whole thing. And I and I think that's where. You know, so many, uh, to to go back to, like, Lost Lore and again to kind of, like, harp on it, that's why everyone's perspective in some rights is absolutely correct, but mm-hmm. absolutely wrong. Until right. we get direct and full evidence in these things, I could come out with a 30-minute theory like I just did. I will completely admit that I am totally wrong. If there is one thing that will go ahead and counteract the ideas that I have presented so far, I'll put my hands up and be like, cool, let's go ahead and like rewrite this theory. Right. Let's get right. back into it. But that's the like, fun that's of That's how I approach though. that. Exactly. Meanwhile, you get the counterpoint of it where everybody's like, well, this is how it is. And that's the only way that you can interpret it. Absolutely wrong. And it goes back to anger all over again. <laughs> Beard doesn't need anger management. He needs to no. educate people. No, I just i I say this on several levels. I am not a hateful person, but I am hateful of ignorance. It's a not. It's a yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about I, revelations. Sure. <laughs> do you mean Do you mean the last book in the Bible? Because I feel like that's. Oh, God, oh, I'm I know. sorry. I didn't Is even that connect not where that. We're going with that this? was <laughs> hilarious. I did not even think about that. That is that's awesome. I love it. I You're love welcome. It. That is so so appropriate. But it's like we were just like like I I love that they cap it off 
with revelations and invitations. Right. But the fact that they have revelations in here and the fact that most of this book and, of course, Book of Unmaking and everything is basically the Shadows of Yours Bible. Yeah. That's, just I mean, that's cap it off with that is hilarious. That's a very good point. Oh, my yep. gosh. That, <laughs> that cracks me up. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> God, man, I'm, I don't even know how to recover from this, this whole thing. So um. I'll read the top portion here, which I think is extraordinarily important, which we've already completely slapped in the face already here for you. Uh, a revelation. So now, the truth. You've earned it. My name is Shin Malfur. My name is Zyre Orsa. My name is Dredgen Vale. And all who fall to darkness will answer to my steel. I think this is kind of where my initial yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna read this and i think it can expect what we were talking about a bit ago the shadows the drifter's gambit the seeding of fear that the infamous man with the golden gun was on the hunt blinded by allegiance to the light and gunning for all who would uh, tempt the darkness a necessary deception offering two paths in order to draw out those eager for power beyond their means malfeasance was a gift a sample to gauge the true hearts of those who reveled in the Drifter's games. Those sated by its wicked power were kin enough to know their limits. Those hungry for more? A danger worth tracking. In some cases, a danger in need of confrontation. But the game has only just begun, and I risk much like this here, me offering you the olive branch of truth, uh, truth and trust. Yes, I have led you to believe I was your friend and the shadows my enemy and yours. If all I have just revealed calls that into question, now know that it shouldn't. The shadows are a danger. We are guided by the evo uh, the evol evolved and controlled methods of Dredgen Yor, except instead of death and destruction, I am offering the mysteries and powers of the darkness as bait for those who would otherwise go freely into the abyss. I have built the perfect trap with which to cull the weak willed, and it is working. The thing that made me kind of think in here that Tebin didn't know about uh, Zyre being Shin uh, comes back to how, uh, of course, I just got done reading over it. Now I lose it here. Uh, yes, I have led you to believe I was your friend in the shadows by enemy and yours. If all I have just revealed calls into question, no, it shouldn't. The shadows are a danger. He wants to keep them at arm's length. Mm, but still okay. effectively kind of keep them close. I think that that's like where, at, at least again, in my interpretation, in my no, yeah, perspective, I, and I, I think read it like it was last week. That's I think, when I, I when I was talking to, I think it was, it might've been, I think it was Dino in chat. Uh, yeah. And, and he, he made the, he made a similar comment and I was like, I'm like, what? Cause I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm on the opposite side. I was like, I always read it as Tebin was aware of what was going on. And he was just, you know, his, he was just his, uh, his front man, you know, like just like, you know, yeah. the empty or not the empty, but like the uh, the gotcha, you know, guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and because that's oh, my gosh. Now I have the picture of Tevin. Oh, it's absolutely gotcha. a gotcha moment. Like this whole thing is a gotcha. Oh, yeah. Moment. No, it, it is. But like but and and, you know, I guess in in light of that comment, uh, yeah. we are we are brought to an invitation. And, it, yep. and I'll read this one real quick, and it's an invitation. Sure. It says, The Vanguard and I are not enemies. We simply have different methods. But to their credit, they have allowed my actions, as they have a wide array of concerns to fill their attention. 
Not that they haven't helped in small ways. Snippets of conversation to plant the shadows as a threat. Feigned ignorance of the Drifter's games and its consequences. Zavala prefers more straightforward tactics, but even he agrees that as Guardian numbers grow, it is vital to test the true mettle of those trusted with the safeguarding of our fragile survival. But others, the Guardians who have joined me, Tebin, Braga, Jonah, and Zana, they are all believers in our cause. And Callum, the truest hero who made the purest sacrifice, his death was noble and by my hand, but not a hateful thing. His part was, and remains, key to sealing the temptation of any who would give themselves to sorrow's road. All who take up arms in his names will be enemies of all he held dear, and they will be punished. You have my word. I'm burdening, I'm burdening you with the full reality of the gambit at play because I believe in you. My earlier words, my gifting of the last word, that was earned and all true. You are the future of this war. You, and a few like you, are the warriors who can walk the line between light and dark. And so I ask you, are you up to the task? Or have I risked all that I have struggled to build on a hero who is not yet ready to become a legend? Again, again. So, like, I, I'm I'm reading that even now, and I, I'm still reading that as uh, I think it was uh, Legato uh, made mm. a comment in chat that actually was kind of where I was going with. Um, yeah, he said, or they say, it feels as though the upper echelon of the shadows, the name Drifter. Well, I don't think Drifter knows, but the named at least and Malfer are all working together to call the weak and the ones that can't handle the darkness. Um, now I don't think Drifter was in that, that upper echelon, but I totally get that sense. I get the sense that there is a, uh, you know, that we've made a couple snide comments about the shadows being a cult, but I think that there is a structure that is similar to a cult in, in play here and any, any cult worth its salt, if I may be so crass is going to have an inner circle. And that inner circle is usually the is usually the group of people who who while they might not know a hundred percent of what the the grand master or the grand magus whatever you want to call them is is going for they have a they have like ninety five percent ninety percent of the information like they 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 know right. they know quite a bit um, and that's kind of how I was reading the shadows for me and but but as soon as I say that what you were saying also. I can read it as him being like, oh, no, I've kept the cards so close to my, you know, so close to the vest that no one knows except right. for, you know, I'm or I, then then that presents the picture of like old man Logan. Like, I'm getting yeah. too old for this. I need to I yeah. need to get need to get what well, was it? You know, that that gets into this perspective, though, like he he's pointing out that he's handed over the two cannons to us at this point. Like he he wants to make it known that like he's passing on mm. uh, the duty well, now I guess, yeah, that... to the to another generation in a way. Because he did kind of make that comment in uh, what was that the letters of Renegade at the end of it. Yep. Yep. Okay. He, I mean, I can. Well, yeah. I still. I, kinda, I'm still kind of hesitant to give up my my interpretation, but well, I definitely I definitely see and I, both and I sides. Think you can read it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah. you can read it either way. Honestly, like, <laughs> was, like, un- until. Like th- this is this is gonna be the thing about like Bungie writing as a whole. Like, <laughs> like let's let's go into Bungie Bungie one hundred and one when it comes down to any of the writers that they have. Unless they will it's stated give us clearly. All... Yeah, like if I don't see a body, it ain't dead. Mara Sov, hello. Um, Anna Bray. The, the biggest yeah, Anna Bray. Uh, the biggest thing here though, uh, 
would come down like how you and I are interpreting this piece differently before I go into my other uh, portions here that I wanted to talk about too. Uh, either way is right because either way gives this perception of how it could be like, is Shin keeping everything close to the vest or does he effectively uh, tell the upper echelon of the shadows or the ones that founded it with him uh, that, Hey, I'm, I'm Shin Malfur, like, I'm I'm the man with the golden gun, and I'm totally willing to go ahead and, you know, take out the guys that uh, that go out of line here for you. Uh, or is he literally only telling us, as the Guardian, uh, who is that much different from the rest of the uh, Guardianship that has been resurrected and is uh, carrying out uh, missions within the, within the solar system? Right. Uh, that's where, you know, you, you get to this, like, really flaky line, like, he's willing to trust us that much, right. yeah, but, no, he's, yeah. but he's not willing to trust the other four that are left from the founding body of the Shadows, which, in that regard, could still say how much he still distrusts the Shadows, well, going back right. to the idea of the Shadows are a danger. Yeah, and I guess my my thought there too was that that upper echelon, if you will, that inner circle in the shadows, mm-hmm. they have the same goal as Shin. Yep. Like that's that's where that's where my kind of my thought process of him them knowing this this truth yeah. is because ultimately they have the same end goal. Like and but yep. I mean you could argue that's also the same for him and the Vanguard, right? They have the same end yeah. goal too. So yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think until. Until we get, and I, I hope we do. I, I hope that we are. I get the feeling that the shadows are going to play a very large role, especially. With I have the, a feeling, especially with the doubling down of the drifter. I get the feeling. Yeah, that, I have a feeling if it's not season of opulence, because I feel like they've they have uh, dug what they can with the shadows at this point with season of the drifter. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling they will make a rather large return in either the next annual pass. Uh, iteration that comes out for destiny 2 or it'll end up being in destiny 3 and we actually see zyra orsa pop out and like hey i'm here to fight the darkness with y'all because it's that <laughs> time of the day uh i don't it's, know which it's way it's gonna end up noon. going but yeah oh god you just did it i could see either one of those effectively being the case uh, I feel I feel like they're moving more towards Destiny Three with it, though. At this mm-hmm. point, like I, I really feel like they want to keep looking into these structures of like what goes into being a guardian. Uh, and I just I have this feeling in if if what the the rumor is is true right now at the rumor mill, because of course don't take anything I'm saying with release schedules and whatnot like in any way seriously, because I don't keep up with them at all. Uh, if we have another annual pass release, I have this feeling that we'll see like a, a reinstitution of the factions because yes. the factions also be are a large portion of like what the guardianship used to be. Mm-hmm. And if they bring them back, talk about them a little bit more, especially when you bring up A113 or Kakaitis in yep. recent entries, like you, <laughs> you can't talk about those without bringing up Dead Orbit. Like, they, they, they go hand-in-hand in, hand in that regard. Like, it, it sucks that we don't have more written information back to them. 
Anyway, to my point here, if they decide to do anything else with them, I think that it'll end up being in Destiny 3. Uh, I don't think it'll be too much more with uh, with D2 in its current iteration. Uh, but I can wholly see that they're going to continue to dig in with them. Like, this, this story has proven to be so popular from the inception of Destiny uh, to its very end days of of D1's uh newer uh newer content and whatnot with its release. Uh all the way through there, basically. Uh and now as soon as you end up mentioning anything about it, I remember when in vanilla D two somebody said, Oh, there's a ship called Rose and Bone that talks about Shin Malfur and Judge Yor. Oh Everybody lost their mind over that. And it was just a recounting of, like, a snippet of what actually happens with the story. And all I'm sitting there thinking is, guys, go read the actual freaking lore if you want. Yeah, because it's it's it's, like, that was all there. Yeah. Well, and the and the only thing that I feel like that's a, a demonstration of is how simplistic and how, uh, how, how cut down that legend had become that started to circulate. That was my ideas on, like, what Rosenbone was all about. And now we get more information that builds off of that initial legend and builds off of that initial story. Uh, that's what I just absolutely love about, like, the little bits and pieces to say, like, these are the things we're focusing on going forward in our uh, issue one, so to speak. Uh, and now how we are building upon the world that we have. I, I mean, another point in case of it. Who thought that the stupid red box was ever going to be referenced again? Oh my god, I'm so happy that they brought it back. I, I was like, I, I, I that has been that was one of the biggest things. Was like, I'm like, what are we? I mean, what there's is some, this box? There's, yeah, are what we ever going to get explained what it is? <laughs> and it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Needless I, to say, I think we're little, I think we're good for shoutouts at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because I mean, anyway, well, and I, yeah. I th- that being that being said, was my my third thing that I I really did want to ask too was you know what you thought about as far as like what it what this means for the future of our our guardian, and I think that I think what you just were talking about is a good is a is a good summarization of of that exact thought. Yeah. So I I what what Bungie has in store for us, of course, is still going to come down to like what they decide on. I think at this point with uh with what we are being shown however and like the amount of freedom that they are giving the writers as well to kind of work with jonathan toe uh jill shar malin z several others are absolute unsung heroes i think at this point with the uh story and the destinations that we've started to see with uh destiny as a whole mm-hmm. and i think with the last uh, with Forsaken and how they kind of opened the gates with that, uh, with Seth Dickinson as well and so on, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with Black Armory and how they hold, told a different uh, side of the story and how they started to kind of dig into the, the black market a little bit further. And now with this, with like digging into, is it the darkness or is it a gray line that you have? Because I think just to, just to stress the point in digging into... You know, how the Guardian could perceive or what could be done later on with the Guardian, so to speak. The shadows of Yor walk the walk in the shadow of Yor. 
but they never go right up to him. Yep. They never effectively step that far into that bracket. They never basically go over that that thin gray line of what it means to be a guardian and what it means to walk in the shadow of darkness. And that's what I think is so key to kind of remember. They're not they're not absolutely saying go out and be a Dredgenor as we initially thought they were. Mm-hmm. It's something further and that's why they have the name of Shadows of Yore. So just as similar as basically our guardian has been with like walking this thin line uh, in killing Aldrin in the end of the Forsaken tra- uh, campaign uh, and doing things for these individuals that we probably otherwise wouldn't bother with. It's no longer just about the Vanguard. It's now about several different factions and pieces that you would not have seen if you only focused on the city. And by pulling us down from the tower and putting us into other areas that now matter or getting us closer to the ground further and further into the city. You mean making us human? Every time we, yeah. Every time we do that, we recover pieces of our humanity. We recover pieces of like what it is that we're guarding against. We recover uh, pieces on like how we, uh, how we effectively are conducting ourselves and our, general operations day to day like that's so important uh and you know going back to my rant on anger a little bit how you conduct yourself day to day is not just read about in fiction is not just read about in uh the news or uh, philosophy or or poli sci or whatever else you want to bother with it comes down to taking in every single event that you end up seeing and allowing that to be your your general interpretation of the world, but always being open to further interpretations of what can come. Uh, either it's somewhat being more understanding of maybe why somebody is uh, possibly offended by something, maybe if you don't get it, or still don't agree with it, but you can still kind of understand it in a way. Indeed. And yeah, and I mean, you know, especially with regards to dealing with your, I mean, a huge shout out to John and Guy, who are mm-hmm. the you know kind of the leads on that part too? I mean the the, the whole writing piece, um, I think throughout the life of Destiny, I would argue has been really strong. It's just getting it accessible that has been, I would argue, the struggle more so than the strength. Because you know, I would I would argue I'm one of the arguments that I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing the same strength of writing. I just think that it's more easily visible uh, to people. Uh, to be I honest. still argue that there's some some missing pieces with like vanilla. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and but I think that felt like it was more set pieces I, that yeah. were starting to work. But... Yeah, I think there's I, there's also obviously a larger issue with that particular situation, both on a political sure. and business level too. But I mean, but that being said, I I mean it's a huge shout out to those guys and girls and ladies. And I, I don't even know what, what I'm supposed to say there. The the people on the writing team are amazing is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. And so that's really, I mean, a huge shout out to them for giving us something that for every week for the past three to four years, we have had, to, we've had the chance to come and chat about, um, you know, and that's, that's the thing is like without them, 
these communities that we love to be part of really honestly wouldn't exist. So, I mean, I, I don't think the gratitude can be over overstated there. Um, my only other shout out really is to Bife. Uh, congratulations, yeah. congratulations on nearly uh, nearly a decade. That's uh that's some dedication. I think it's eight years. Was was eight, with years. Our, eight years? Yep. That is that is longer than any job that I've decided to stay at. That is longer than I know many people that uh, that have hold like any position. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, anymore at this point, unless you're like government worker, I think, and a lot of rights. Otherwise, you're really not keeping your job for that long in, like, corporate situations. Right. Uh, If you're sole proprietor and you've kept with it even for that long, good on you. You know, and that's where Bife basically is at at this point. Uh, The fact that he's been at this for eight years and it has been his passion and he continues to follow that passion is amazing. Uh, It's extraordinarily inspirational as somebody that's kind of trying to do the same thing on, like, a personal level, too. Uh, and he he shows he can do it. He, he shows he can get it done. So I give him all the props in the world. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jay. No, 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 no. That's I mean that's like I, I know I know you and I both had very similar uh, comments to him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. This I think that was was that this morning I believe. Yeah, my days are blending together again. Time. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I I don't know what day it is anymore. Um, so yeah but yeah no huge huge shout out to him and i mean it's just Mm -hmm. that's that's a it's a it's not easy i mean it's it's i know we i know we've said that a lot i know if you've ever if you've ever tried to create anything you know you know that it's it's not an easy gig um and youtube on top of that is its own nightmare fuel to begin with so what um, about anger yeah (laughs) yeah um (laughs) <laughs> so yeah but yeah huge shout out thank you guys so much for sticking with us uh green will be back next week and like i said we will be doing uh the top three next week and yeah so you guys if you want you can stick around we'll be doing a little bit of an after show i'm sure and see you next week bye with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focused fire chat links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on itunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.